cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Well, I don't know if it's Jacks. After Maui's just met Weber on the board. SB Futures up 17. Uh, they were up more than that last night. I'm sure why they're still only up 17. So, Dump Bears. Maybe, uh, what do you think? What do I think about the Bears? Not much. You didn't watch them all, eh? I didn't watch them yesterday. That's the first one of the. One of the handful of times in my life where uh, I didn't watch any of the game and didn't miss it. Well, I was doing some other stuff, and then before I knew it, it was halfway through the third quarter. They were already down a couple of touchdowns. Andy Dalton's starting, which, you know, I know how that goes, and uh, that was it. I had no interest. Well, yeah, S&P Futures uh, set up 17. NASDAQ Futures down 51. Dow Futures up 210. So a mixed uh, market. The, the big news is over the weekend was uh, Bitcoin's down to 48,000. 585. So, so much for being in our, our range, like we talked about. Not much of a range there. They're just kind of heading south. It was down 10%, uh, kind of in a weekend route. So I don't know what that's sort of all about, but everybody knows my opinion on, on Bitcoin, but, but still, uh, what are the thing you up to, man? Trillion one in terms of total market cap or something? And, uh, uh, yeah, I think so. That's, uh, you know, it's certainly something to be, to be kind of reckoned with, I think a lot of people, if it were to collapse, would get hurt. And uh, it's not—it's not like it's money you can, uh, uh, you, you know, you can you can take off on your taxes, which we've talked about a bazillion times. And uh, it's a, uh, you know, sort of. A, I was, uh, Odin and I went to one of our favorite uh, restaurants, which we'll call nameless, but it's a, a Thai restaurant, and uh, very good. People are terrific. Everything is. Very fresh. I mean, it's about as nice as you can get, I think. Uh, family owns it. And, uh, we had a long conversation with the, uh, owner. Well, I guess she actually is the owner. Her husband works there. And, uh, I think what's, what's happening right now, I mean, right in front of everybody's eyes, they're starting, they're starting to see, see stuff happen. They, I mean, the population is, even if you're not somebody who, you know, is is fascinated by economics and has been you know, studying it their whole life. Uh, but a lot of things are starting to happen, Manny, that I think there's going to be, uh, you know, if, if if you and I were professors, professors, we would be able to have, you know, 100 PhD papers about what's going to happen in the next, just the way things are being repriced, the way all of a sudden, you know, labor is being repriced uh, after being pretty much under... Everybody else's thumb for 25, 30 years, maybe 40 years. All of a sudden, because of maybe some shortages that are, uh, you know, maybe were part of COVID, maybe weren't part of COVID, whatever it is, all of a sudden we're starting to see some, uh, some changes. And I don't think people necessarily understand how everything is being repriced. And it, it's going to be interesting to play out. I mean, if you look at a stock, for instance, last week, uh, on Friday, a DocuSign was down a hundred bucks. Okay. So the, it was two thirty something and finished, say one thirty something, so roughly a hundred bucks. I think like ninety eight bucks or something, but it was down a bunch. And uh, and it's and it's kind of fascinating when you look at 
I mean, I'm, I'll be generous and say they were, you know, might make 250 this year. Well, okay, that was 100 times earnings, and now it's where it is now. It's 60 times earnings, which is still. You know, people are like, oh my god, how could how could it stack me down? It must be a bargain. Let's buy the dip. Let's maybe, um, you know, and it's up. I wish I could tell you, you know, okay, it's, it's overpriced, underpriced. You know, the, the thing about stacks is, is you never really know. I mean, the company next year could figure out a way to make ten dollars a share instead of two fifty, in which case the stack might in fact be fairly priced or even cheap, right? So, you, so you never really know. But one thing I will say is that the the investment world sort of better get their act together that if interest rates go back to something that's normal, say you say a risk-free rate is 3%, the amount of stocks that are going to be percolating around that have been here a while, that are trading over 100 times earnings, are going to be very few and far between. And that that much I can pretty much guarantee. Now, which ones they are, you know, DocuSign could be one of them. I mean, they could all of a sudden have some new thing they do and they could be off to the races yet again. But the repricing is is somewhat spectacular. I mean, uh, and, and it's it happens can happen rapidly. It can happen slowly. I mean, so I talked to this the guy from the uh, Thai place, and he still they still haven't hired a cook. I mean, him and his wife are doing the cooking. His wife owns a place. She's a great cook, uh, but she, they'd rather have a full time cook and her you know spotting when they when they need her. And he's like, well, you know, we, we can't be paying. And I noticed they they didn't raise all their prices to crazy numbers like some people, but they they nudged a lot of them up. And uh, now some of them might be uh, justified by stuff they get, but I still got to believe that they're, uh, you know, you know, if your bro is here, I still got to believe they're four to five to one on anything they serve. You know, I mean, I don't. I, when you start talking about vegetables and and chicken, even if you spice it up, I mean, you know, twelve fifty, thirteen bucks. I don't think it's costing more than two fifty for that dish. Do you? I mean, I doubt it. Uh, there's probably four ounces of chicken in it. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is, is the, you know, the idea that, you know, they, they seem to think they're going to be able to find somebody, you know, they were paying 12 or 13 that they're going to get somebody for 16. And I'm going, not my, not my business guys, but I, I think that, I think that's been repriced. And I think a lot of places have figured out how to charge more that has nothing to do with how much you're paying people in the short run anyway. And, uh, you're going to find that people, are going to be paying these people twenty, twenty-two dollars an hour. I mean, people here in the building tell us a lot of, uh, especially the Hispanic people that used to work in restaurants, are working construction now, making thirty-five bucks an hour. And they're not going back to chopping carrots for ten bucks an hour, I don't think. So I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's just kind of a realization just because something's been like this for a long time, just like the market. Hey, just because these places have been a hundred times earnings for a long time, doesn't mean they're going to stay hundred times earnings, right? I mean, it's a uh, it you know it's somewhat of a fascinating adjustment you're seeing right before your eyes. It's, it's exact. It's, it's essentially how economics plays out, and, and it's there everywhere. I mean, we'll talk when Jack comes in. I mean, these buildings downtown that are being foreclosed. Okay, somebody. I mean, what happened? Okay, when you take it from the from the from the uh, nuts and bolts numbers, somebody bought a place for a hundred million dollars, say, and all, and they looked at all the rents and they say, okay. Based on all these rents, based on our mortgage at whatever percent we're getting, uh, we can we can pay a hundred million dollars for this place, and that would be a bargain. All of a sudden, you start losing people because of COVID, or because maybe the exchange is closed, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you're gagging on this place; the rents don't cover. And all of a sudden, you foreclose. Either you get an adjustment, 
right? Or they boot you out, and the new people come in and say, okay, we'll pay, we'll figure out, we're going to make this much rent, we'll pay you, we'll pay you 90 for the place. Maybe they'll be right, maybe they won't. Okay? Because the rents, maybe now they'll be happy, there's people who want, you know, a hunk of space, but I'm not, I'm not paying it. <laughs> Those other guys paid you three years ago. Every place around here is empty. Everybody's making deals. Okay, so now this guy comes in with a 40% less rent, or 30%, or 25 or whatever it is. Somewhere along the line, it's all reprices. Now this building, instead of being worth $100 million, is only worth 70 or 65 or 50 I mean, this repricing happens kind of everywhere. And maybe, maybe at that number, you know, the CVS comes back in or something and says, okay, well, the rent, instead of being... Forty grand a month. How would you like guys like to come back for twenty five? They might say we're we're there. So I mean, it, it is outstanding how you see this working right in front of your eyes once in a while, where every textbook could probably be written in the last year and maybe the next two years. I mean, I, don't, I, I find that fascinating. I know a lot of people don't. They just look at it and wonder what happened. Um, well, you know, you know what they say, man. There's three kinds of people in the world, right? Which are. Some people make things happen, some people watch things happen, and most people wonder what happened. <laughs> that was a quote from the quote from the trading floor, but um I don't know, what, what do you make of all this? I mean obviously you have you know, you got the good job going, you got the baby on the way, the wife's working, everything I mean you guys have not been thank God, you haven't been kicked around by this yet. I mean, we'll say oh, we yet. were kicked around very hard in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah, for eight months. Uh, we were home. Wife was unemployed. That's right. Uh, on unemployment, uh, I was carrying most of the load. Uh, we, we on your broad shoulders. Yeah, we made uh, I I made too much money to get any of the help from the government except for one check I got when that they just gave to everybody. Um, and uh, and and that was a grind for a while. But in November 2020, so one year ago, uh, she was able to land a new job, and and uh, things have been a lot better since certainly. Um, but uh, a lot of people were on their ass in, in 2020, no doubt about well, it. She was able to land the job before the unemployment all got cut back, right? Uh, or close? Close, yeah. I think it got cut back at the end of July, and, she, and so there was a couple months there without it, but uh, but close. Uh, but yeah, that so you know that that was tough. But yeah, we're we're doing doing well now, and and uh, and bought a place seven months ago, and that was good. Um, but uh, I, you know. To me, this is just stuff that ebbs and flows all the time, and and it's not that big of a deal. But well, this is special. This but, is, these are major. But these are. There's no doubt that uh, the as you all, as you talk about every day, the money going into the system is driving this, and it's and that part of it's unprecedented. Well, and, it, and it's so totally different than the '70s in the sense that people on on uh, with the risk free rate is being held so low by the uh, central banks that. The, the savers are getting eviscerated, which they weren't. Time they were, they were pretty much uh, made whole the last time. You know, the the savings rate was essentially your inflation rate plus. So if the inflation rate was twelve, you know, my mom was getting fourteen at the bank. Uh, you know, but now this is this is a totally different program where the Fed is essentially not allowing that to happen. So they're they're really picking sides. You know, in the economy of who who gets made made whole here and. And savers clearly are not, and, and in favor of the market, unless unless it drops, and if it does, then you got real problems because people only take three thousand off, and it's Bitcoin. This stuff adds yet another wrinkle to everything, because what do you do with that? I mean, people are 
What what what's what somebody gonna do about if he puts fifty grand in Bitcoin and all of a sudden it's worth twenty five? Trying to duck that, maybe get away with deducting three thousand, but you probably can. But somebody adds a whole new wrinkle to the to the mess. We where we have essentially artificial stacks, just like in <laughs> what in two thousand and uh, in seven two thousand eight we had artificial mortgage things, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, it's a, I mean, it never really changes. People try and find ways to create wealth that never really, you know, which you know never really happens. It's hard. It's hard to create wealth out of paper, uh, you know, and it's. We keep trying to do it every iteration, right? We keep we keep going down that road, but uh, you know it's 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 very difficult to do. You can't just print money to give it to people. Although the first people you give it to can be very wealthy. I mean, there's no question that if you know if Joe Biden snuck into the National Mint and all of a sudden they they printed him out, you know, a bunch of Benjamins and he stuck them in his pocket. Well, yeah, he, nobody'd probably notice and he'd be wealthy, right? But if you start doing that to everybody, all you do is get inflation. Yep. And, uh, you know, but, but then again, you'd still like to be the first person who got it, right? Cause you go out and buy an asset, and the asset would go up. That's right. Just like you'd like to be someone that, uh, sold Bitcoin at over $65,000 or whatever it was. What was the top? Didn't it make it to a hundred? Um, it might have. I, I don't follow it that closely. I just remember recently it was at $65,000 or close yeah. to it. Not that, like what three weeks ago or something? I mean, yeah, well, no, what I don't I don't know anything about the the nuts and bolts of this. Where, where do you, you you use Coinbase or one of those places to? Uh, yeah, that's where you sell, right? Yeah, that's the big that's the biggest or one of the biggest exchanges. But there's a lot of crypto exchanges where you can buy and sell it. Well, now would they? But you're the guy who has your your password and stuff, right? Don't you have your own wallet? How do you how do you get your wallet to one of these places? Um, I've never owned it, so I don't know exactly how it works. I think you can own it right on Coinbase and never take it off. And then I think you can also take it off Coinbase and put it in your, uh, into your own sort of wallet or, or whatever. Um, when I've owned fractions of, of crypto, uh, or small amounts of Ethereum or something like that, which I, I, I did a couple years ago, I never actually, you know, took it off of the exchange. I still have it on there. I log in to Coinbase and it's, it's still there and it, it shows how much I, how much I have and I can cash out anytime. Okay. What, uh, is it easy if, when you go on? Are, are they trying to get you, they, I mean, is Coinbase actively marketing like margin loans? Um, I, not that I know of. They might be. Because that's the part where when, that's what things that's when things get scary is when uh, when people can borrow. But isn't that what the guys do to make the uh, that sponsor the umpires union? They might do that. Yeah, I don't. I've never been. I've never seen it on Coinbase. But I mean, who knows? I don't. I don't get on there that often and look at it. But uh, yeah, it's possible. But it's, it's. I don't. I don't you know, I'm, I'm curious. There's always, I mean, there's always gonna be money. And there's always somebody gonna do something with it. But when you do stocks, it's it's a very uh, it's a very unusual system as you actually take, uh, well, it's not an unusual system. I mean, your, your margin on stock is set by the Federal Reserve of all places. And that was one of the big, uh, well, I'll say advancements, I'll say changes after the, the crash of 29 was the, the stock margin used to be very similar to commodity good faith deposit, which they call it, which is the same as, mar- well, it used to be called margin, but it's called good faith deposit now because for, but the difference being is if you if you buy I'll pick a stock off my list or you buy you buy IBM at say it's one nineteen thirty five up fifty one cents this morning pre market. Well, if, if you come to PTI and say I want to buy 
thousand shares IBM. I mean, we don't do very much of this, but we certainly can. I mean, it's uh, we have the same relationship as anybody else. But we don't. People don't usually come to us just to buy stock on margin. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's why people love us as a brokerage firm because we actually have cash balances, which most firms do not. Um, but that's where most firms make their money is charging you money on margin. So what people are going to do, they'll come to you know Schwab or E Trade or whoever it is. And, uh, that's what Robinhood's real big at. I mean, so you said everything's free, right, except for your margin interest. So IBM. So if you, theoretically, if you bought a um, a thousand shares, that's 120 grand, rounding it up. You'd have to send us a check for 60. Okay, so you get your margin, your initial margin, they call it, is 50 percent. Now, if the stock starts to go down a little bit, the maintenance margin is only 30 percent. So, if I were to do the math in my head, stock probably has to drop. Uh, so you're putting up 60. All right, so the so if the stock were to drop to, you're, you're borrowing 60. So the stock were to drop to, uh, say 80, I mean, now you're, 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 you're borrowing what, 20%. So somehow or another, you gotta come up with the rest. Right? Because they're gonna say you lost the other. So the maintenance margin's 30. So you don't have to come up with money right away. Now before the crash of 29, you did. So the stock was down 5 bucks, you gotta come up with the 5 bucks. Which is the same way it is on the futures side. If you were to buy, uh, 5,000, uh, one corn contract, which is 5,000 bushels, there's a number attached to that. I mean, I haven't done that in a while. So say it's 3000 bucks. you have to put up. Well, if that loses 1000 today, you owe 1000 by tomorrow morning. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious as to how the people putting the margin loans out or whatever they call them and, and the, uh, uh, these, these things, these uh, currencies, quasi-currencies are doing it because the stock side, you can actually take, if you buy... The thousand shares at PTI, which we clear to RBC or IB, whoever, when you, which side you're on, uh, say it's RBC. RBC can actually take the stock and go to the bank and get the 50% loan from a bank. Where commodities, they don't do that. I mean, the, the firm pretty much, the, the, the firm, this is, this is actually pretty interesting. The firm has an account. So if you buy a, a contract of corn and I sell it, the firm's flat, right? So the firm does the margining, not the individual, which is a little bit different. I mean, it's pretty complicated. I'm not going to go into too much deeper. But the uh, it's the firm that has the position with the clearing corp at the, at the board of trader to CME now, which is a different program where you, you individually mar- margin on the security side. So And the firm can take the stock to a bank and get the margin loan from the bank. They don't have to come up with it. But obviously, they're going to be paying a bank a lot less than they're charging you, and that's where they make their money. It's not really on commissions; it's on margin; it's on interest. Well, now there's that because they're still they're still charging. I'm going to say most places, if you if you borrow money on stock, you're probably still paying six or seven percent. At IB, you pay a lot less, but uh, most places are not cheap. And uh, you know, so I mean, it, that's that's where firms make their dough. So my question is, I don't think there's anybody. Walking into you know uh, a bank with a bunch of Bitcoin and getting being able to toss that loan off to a bank, I don't see that happening. Do you? I, mean, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I so I, as, as the, where these firms are, are getting this money to finance it, uh, they must you know they must be doing it on their own, and I, I'm, I bet they must be taking a pretty big size. They're not doing that for you know two thousand bucks on a hundred thousand dollar loan. I don't think. I mean, God, that would be suicide on their part. You would think. But uh, 
but like I said, there's, there's a there's a lot going on in the world. I mean, there's, it's it's not all that much different than in 2007, 2008, people getting loans from Japan and places to buy the mortgage stuff. There's all, people always find a way to leverage stuff at the wrong time, and that that's usually what causes you know market. I won't say crashes, but large corrections because otherwise, if you just plain bought the place with cash and it went down, it would be bad for you, but it doesn't force you to do anything, right? I mean, if, if you if you had fifty grand in a bank that your wife didn't know about, and you went out and bought a a fifty seven Corvette, and all of a sudden the the market in anti- antique cars dropped down to forty, you know you're out ten, but you don't have to. You're not forced to sell it or anything, right? Unless something else bad happens to you, right? You just came up with the fifty, but if if you borrowed, you know, uh, forty five, now you might have a problem, right? Because now you got to come up with some more, and the loan the loan guy might say, "Hey, I want another five grand here," because now the the, the car is not covered. So I mean, it, it gets it gets fairly complicated. It's like I said, man. I'm trying to do it. I'm saying it's always different, but it's always the same. If you if you get my, get my drift, it's always people find a way to go out too much on leverage on something. So most most market crashes are coincide with with record margin loans for the for the time, because most people when people are out on a string, the reason why you know people had to sell you know DocuSign probably on Friday, a lot of maybe some of it had to do with margin, and we'll see what what happens to it today. But you know what's what's the next stock that somebody's going to look at it and say, man, this thing's a hundred times earnings, it shouldn't be priced there, and uh, you know we'll see if that starts to permeate through the market. So on Friday you had, you know, stuff like that happening. Now you have the the COVID thing happen. I don't I don't really know what to make of this. I was reading last night, the lady who, uh, well, the person who is the uh, head of the disease control thing in South Africa, who happens to be female, said, you know, she doesn't understand what all the panic is. I mean, the, it appears to be very contagious, but she goes, nobody's sick. It's way milder than the than the than the other, at least so far. Well, and that's the, good if that's true. Yeah, and so if she's right, well, the answer is so far. Nobody really knows. But I've been reading stories about people in the same building, everyone out of their apartment have gotten it in some places. So it seems to be goes through the air quicker than the other ones, but, but there hasn't been anybody that I've read about that hasn't has had more than mild symptoms. Now, hopefully that will stick. You know, I mean, that's isn't that what happened to the, the one from 1918? It's still around, but it's, it's, it's such a mild one now that everybody just gets it and don't even, it's like a cold. But I, I get that's how they can tell the difference. They don't almost really have to test because the, the the Delta variant is fever and everything else, and this one really isn't. It's a cold running nose. It's more like a cold. So they can sort of tell by the symptoms. You know, they're gonna they're gonna take you, but give you a blood test to really check it out because obviously they want to know. But uh, and this 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 is just what I read last night. So I'm not again. This is not uh, the Center of Disease Control coming out with a report. But uh, if that's the truth. Um, you know, we don't want to see it, but it's better than people dying, right? Uh, people can handle a cold, I guess. That's right. So, uh, so what do you, what is the, uh, kind of shifting gears here, because we'll, we'll talk more about the building stuff when Jan comes down. We got a minute or two. What, what is the, uh, all these, are there, are there just as many of these other bowls now as, uh, there's six on New Year's Day. Two of them now are going to be, uh, taken over by the playoffs. It's the Orange Bowl and, the Orange Bowl and the uh, Cotton Bowl, or the playoffs. 
I don't know. I, I, I'll have to look into it. I feel like it rotates, but uh, it does. I'm not sure what it is this year. Well, then all of a sudden the people that are supposed to go to different places then get to go. But it's, it's going to be uh, Ohio State and uh, who won the Pac-10 in, in, the, in the Rose Bowl, right? So Utah, yeah. So they're, they're there. The Irish are playing Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl, which I don't think has somebody who's directed there. That's kind of an at-large bowl. Then there's the Peach Bowl. And then there's the orange, sugar, and, and cotton. So those are the six on New Year's Day, right? I'm pulling up the bowl schedule here. Um, so that I'm looking at New Year's Eve. So, uh, yeah, New Year's Eve has the playoff, okay, and then it has a couple of sort of small-time bowls. New Year's Day has uh, uh, the uh, Outback Bowl, which is Penn State, Arkansas. It has the Fiesta Bowl, which is, like you said, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. It has the Citrus Bowl, which is Iowa, Kentucky. It has the Rose Bowl, which is Ohio State, Utah. And then it has the uh, Sugar Bowl, which is Ole Miss versus Baylor. All right, so the playoff games are... The playoff games are New Year's Eve. Right, they're, they're orange and... So it's Michigan, Georgia, which is the Orange Bowl. And it's, uh, it's Alabama, Cincinnati, which is the Cotton Bowl. So the Cotton Bowl managed the Weasler way back in. Yeah. Now that they've been that big stadium. Because they're in the new Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then the Orange Bowl's obviously in Miami. Have you, you gone to that? You, you haven't done the tour? I have not. Uh, my wife has, and, and she actually got, went on the field and got to throw a football around and stuff. Really? For, for like a work event. Uh, and then they toured the whole stadium. She said it's pretty spectacular, but I have not. Well, they have the, uh, Cotton Bowl. I've never actually been to Arlington. I actually went to a ball game. The old, the old stadium, the old baseball. Yeah. The old baseball park was nice, but now they built the Now they one. got a retractable one right, right by it. Well, I've been to Dallas a million times. I've been to Fort Worth a bunch of times, but I've never actually been to that, to where the stadiums are. Well, I went to the, uh, the old one in, uh, in September. So the weather, you know, was nice. It was, you know, 80 degrees. Um, when I, I ended up, <laughs> I bought ticket. It was a hotel right near there because I wanted to go see a game and I also wanted to tour the Cowboy Stadium. Plus I had some client I had to see, but, because there's a hotel right there, you know, we're in walking distance. Well, I think I, I think I drove to the Cowboy Stadium. It was like maybe a half mile, but the other one was right next door to baseball. And I bought a ticket in the parking lot. I think I was, I was third row behind home plate. And I, oh, I, wow. I didn't even pay, I didn't even pay face. Um, it was, but it was a beautiful park. God. Well, I think a lot of people love that park, and uh, it was a hitter friendly park, and it was very nice. But it was so hot there and humid in yeah. the summer. Yeah. They just couldn't get crowds in the summertime. You couldn't uh, play a day game. Right? Yeah, and and so they they went to the retractable roof, and uh, now they're actually spending some money on players this off season, and they might actually put a decent product on the field. Well, if you go, if I took the tour, this is got to be ten years ago, maybe more. This, the tour was seventeen fifty then. Of course, it it starts and ends in in the spot where you buy all the jerseys and stuff. You know, go figure. Oh yeah, we did the tour of Fenway Park in Boston. Same thing. It was like twenty bucks, and then it, of course starts and ends right around the gift shop. I think the tours are well. If you want to see a place, the tour is better than going to a game. It, oh yeah, the tours are great. You get to go, you know, kind of behind the scenes a little bit. You get to see all the sight lines and the different viewpoints at the stadium. You learn a little bit about the history, especially when you go to an old stadium. Uh, like Fenway, I've done the Wrigley tour as well. I haven't. It must be nice. It's great. I, you know, we've all been to Wrigley hundreds of times, but uh, doing the tour, you you learn something and uh, get to go down uh, in the visitors' dugout and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Well, the uh, the, the one little spot we got to break here, but the uh, the cotton they moved the Cotton Bowl office there, right? So on the wall, they got all this glass all around the thing. On the glass are all the plays diagram from like every year, like the winning play in any any one of the Cotton Bowls. Oh wow. 
and they had the one where where Joe Montana uh, won in uh, when he when he beat Houston that one year, and they had the one where Joe Theismann beat wasn't Joe Theismann who the hell beat Texas was a uh, someone was it my my uh, was my yeah it was my freshman year Joe Theismann beat Texas in one play in that game which I mean I, I was there but I don't remember the play and there it was all diagrammed up on the board it was pretty neat that's cool yeah S and P futures let me, get, let me get these things live here S and P futures are up uh, t- up twelve Dow's up two fifty. Nasdaq, however, is down 73. Uh, be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Oh, Mark Bay, Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Alley's Wilson, Weber on the board. SP Futures up 11.75. Dow Futures up 2.26. NASDAQ Futures down 72. This is kind of a same pattern we've been having. Uh, DAX up 64.4%. FTSE up 66.9. Kek around up 51.8. So pretty bullish over in Europe. Uh, Nikkei down 102.4%. Shanghai down 18.5. Hang Seng down 417. 1.8. Uh, tech shares, uh, but that, Hank Sang has not been doing very well. Those guys have been catching all the brunt really there between the, kind of the, the piston match between us and China. It hasn't really affected Shanghai. It's a little more controlled, but Hank Sang has been all over the block with that. For Friday, the Dow was down 59, S&P down 38, NASDAQ down 295, which is almost 2%. So Friday was not good. Uh, bonds were up five basis points, but only to 1.4. Uh, the bond, uh, unchanged at minus 0.37, Japan. Uh, positive point zero four, so they're leaking down a little bit as well. Um, oil up two eleven, but it's only to sixty eight thirty seven. It's kind of where it was Friday. Right up two eighteen seventy two oh six. Natural gas down thirty two cents. This is I'm going to say this is one of the most remarkable commodity events I've seen ever. I think it's three eighty one. It was over six bucks like three weeks ago as we head into the winter season. Our Bob, however, up four cents to uh, two bucks even, and we've got gold. Down four bucks to seventeen seventy nine. Silver down thirteen cents twenty two thirty one. Copper up a penny four twenty eight. It's been a big mover. Bitcoin down one fifty eight to forty eight thousand seven uh, sixty. It was sixty three thousand. I'm going to say two weeks ago, three weeks ago. That's a big hit there, Manny. What do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Thirty seven minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a couple of issues to report this morning. First of all, down south on I fifty seven. On the outbound side, just before 99th Street, there's a vehicle fire blocking the three right lanes. Traffic is getting by on the left shoulder right now, but this is causing significant uh, uh, traffic delays on I-57 if you're heading southbound just before 99th Street due to this car fire as crews are on the scene working to get that put out. Uh, But that's our big concern right now. No issues on the inbound side. Uh, Dan Ryan and the Bishop Ford are looking okay. Traffic starting to build on the Stevenson, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower. Uh, Edens and Kennedy are looking good. Off the expressways, there's a crash uh, northwest, Irving Park Road at Maple Street. And then just uh, south of there, North Avenue, Route 64 at Swift Road, there's an accident. And then over in Wheaton County Farm Road at Geneva, there is a crash. And uh, down in Lamont, uh, Davy Road at Joliet Road, there is a crash. Uh, we also have a wind advisory in effect uh, until noon today for portions of north central and northeast Illinois and far northwest Indiana, mainly along uh, north, uh, it says mainly along and north of Interstate 80. Wind gusts from the west up to 45 to 50 miles per hour are expected. Uh, the gusty winds could obviously blow around unsecured objects, such as outdoor holiday decorations. Uh, tree such limbs as your hat. Such as your hat as well. Tree limbs uh, will likely be down, and it could also affect uh, power lines and, and could create some power outages too, so keep that in mind. Uh, but that it's windy out there, and it's cold. Uh, weather today, speaking of cold, uh, part, uh, overcast skies today with flurries uh, in the area, not expecting any accumulation, a high of just 35 but with the the uh, gusty uh, winds, uh, the wind chills are going to feel like it's in the upper teens or low 20s today. Right now it is overcast and 34 with a wind chill of 18 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 78. Right now it's clear and 50. 
In sports, it was the Stocks and Jocks Bowl at Soldier Field yesterday as uh, Arizona took on the Bears, and it uh, wasn't much of a game. Bears got a late touchdown to make it appear closer than what it was, but Arizona took care of business, winning 33-22. to uh, The Cardinals improved to an NFC best and an NFL best, 10-2 and on the season as the number one seed right now in the NFC. Bears dropped to 4-8 and and are pretty much eliminated from the playoffs after that loss, not that they were going to get in anyway. Andy Dalton, 26 of 41, two touchdowns, but had four interceptions, a 54 quarterback rating, whereas Kyler Murray uh, was uh, pretty good despite not throwing, not needing to throw a lot. Uh, he ran a lot, 10 carries for 59 yards, including two rushing touchdowns, but passing, he was just 11 of 15 for 123 yards, but had two touchdowns, no picks, and a 136.9 QB rating. Uh, because uh, he uh, was uh, was efficient. Uh, the Sunday night football game last night saw the Chiefs beat the Broncos 22 to nine. In hockey, Blackhawks uh, got a win against the Islanders in a shootout. Three to two was the final in that one. Blackhawks are nine thirteen and two on the season. Bulls were off. The the uh, Bulls are sixteen and eight. They're back in action tonight as the Nuggets come to town. That's a seven p.m. tip off. Bulls are second seed in the Eastern Conference right now. And in college hoops, Northwestern with a win over Maryland, 67 to 61. Chief. The, um, did you listen to the guys uh, after the game? They were not, uh, hey, Jan, how are you? I did I'm not. I'm fine, Tom. How about you? I'm mean, doing all right. Listen to the, well, I was driving, uh, back from, uh, Audrey's and, uh, who are, who are the three guys that are around after the game? They're good. I can't tell by the voices, but I'm sure I know who they are, but is it, is it Hilgi and, I don't know. I think on, you're talking about on 780? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it? I think Gleason hosts it, and uh, yeah, Hilgenberg, and uh, they've had a rotating cast of characters. I don't know who the post game is versus the pregame, and and who it is right now. I don't know if Dan Hampton's still involved. He was involved for a while. I don't think so. He's uh, he's involved in DUIs. Yeah. Well, uh, Tom Thayer we used to chime in, but he might not do that anymore. I mean, he, he chimes in, but he's not one of the um, one of kind of the regulars, but. Uh, one of the dudes, I think it might be Hill Gears. It's not Schwanz. He's it might be him, or he does before forty. I think they might both do uh, post game as well. Well, one of the guys is just, you know, he was just. They were talking about the coaching and everything, and he says, you know, two things. And he goes, you look at the, the talent on the field. He goes, the Bears aren't even close to these guys. He goes, they're like, they're like eight players short. Which is what you and I have been talking about forever. And he said, that, he goes, the team speed is dramatically different. But then they went on to say that they think the Cardinals are kind of pretenders. <clears throat> the way the Bears were able to carve them up in the middle of the offensive line, you know, just run on them. He goes, they're not, they're, you know, they're going to have trouble with Green Bay or these other teams that are, they, they think they're not even close to as good as Green Bay and a couple of other in Tampa Bay. Well, they already lost to Green Bay, uh, earlier in the year in Arizona. So I, you could argue they're not as good as Green Bay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they're, the, the Cardinals are 10 and 2. They have a lot of good young players, uh, but they also added some veteran players. They've had a ton of injuries the last few weeks. Their quarterback came back. This was his first game in like the last month. Uh, their star receiver, John Drew Hopkins, this is his first game in the last month. So they're, they're really banged up, uh, but they're a lot better than the Bears. But yeah, I, w- are they favorites to win the NFC uh, as far as actually make it to the Super Bowl? I would say they're not. The uh, Rams came back, eh? Well, the, playing the Jaguars will do that for you. Yeah, it's true. The, uh, well, um, so John, you're all over this football, so you can talk about it today. <laughs> I'm known from it, Tom. Not, not, not exactly. Uh, 
Well, that's okay. It's a. Uh, would you have had the uh, the stones to go for two like the Ravens did against Pittsburgh? No. I saw that that uh, they went for two on the road, down one at the end of the game, didn't get it and lost. But uh, that was uh, a, a gutsy call. A for effort. Yeah. yeah well, the guy, uh, you know, he he was wide open too. Quarterback just missed him. Just saying. Um, but in- interesting stuff. I mean, as they, I, I think the well, it's hard to tell because they're not there yet. But boy, the seventeen games is really taking a toll on these guys, isn't it? Or it just seems like it is. Well, the bye, the bye week is coming a little bit later for a lot of these teams. I mean, there's teams that are just now having their bye week in, in entering mid-December. Arizona just came off theirs. Sort of. And they came off theirs last week. Uh, so that, I think that is definitely affecting teams because the bye week is pushed back for a lot of them. But I mean, I don't know how you could say the 17 weeks affected yeah, I mean, them I, when, well, they, when they haven't played it. Well, that's, that's what I just said that. But I, you know, I, but I'm saying I think it, I think it. I think it sort of will. I mean, I, somewhere along the line, I think line, it will I, too. Of course, it will. And all, all my all my goofballs from the, the Irish fans, my, my buddies, that uh, got. Oh man, that's why the playoffs should be should be more. So I, I text. Uh, was it Kevin or somebody else? I go. Yeah, that's what we need. We need a, we need a sixty four team playoff for football, where we can have Georgia playing like Akron in the first round, and we can we can bet on the over under, and we can bet on how many people get hurt. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's, like, it's just what we need, right? Um, just, just saying. Um, so, Jan, uh, I was talking a little bit earlier about the. Uh, I mean, to me, I mean, uh, this is not a fortunate thing. This is a an unfortunate thing. It is for a lot of people is is the economic shifting that's going on right in front of us right now, and what a somewhat what a fascinating study it is. I mean, it's I guess it's not the best if you're on the short end, but. I mean, you're looking to see, you're seeing labor get a little bit more power, uh, than they have in really a long time. When I say labor employees, um, and I think that's due to, uh, I think a lot of people retiring. I think we're trying to get some stuff back from China. I mean, it's not very efficient at all, but I think some people are being sort of rehired in those areas, those manufacturing areas. I think you have a, uh, a year where nobody did any work in their house, now all of a sudden they want to get everything done, right? So if you can't find, if you're handy at all and doing nothing, if you can't, if you can't find a house to paint or a kitchen to remodel, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be like clueless, right? right. Um, so I mean, are there, it, it doesn't take much, in a, you know, in a labor force of, you know, what is it? I'll, I'll get up the numbers here. Uh, in a labor force, all you gotta do is take, you know, one or, when I say all you have to do, it's the same thing numbers wise that Roosevelt did by saying you can't have child labor right I mean what he, what he really did was say uh, uh, the uh, you know you, you, we're, we're pulling the 14 and 15 year old girls essentially well guys too out of the out of the garment factories and stuff correct right and you know the 40 hour work week too I mean that that kind of drove up the the price of employer employees and did he you know, do that right out of some <laughs> It made them a little more scarce just because you got you know you were limited how many hours you wanted to work. Yeah, and uh, well, because we have even even with the with the big numbers we had uh, last Friday, we actually dropped people in this. We don't know what the hell they're doing. Calm. From the end of 2019 to today, we have four and a half million more people in the well. Make that four point four million more people in this. Don't know what they're doing. Could be retired. Could be something. Column right. 
So you're in terms of uh, you know economics. If you have you know five, I'm going to say lumber yards around, and two or three close, it makes a dramatic difference in the competition in that group. And if, I think if you pull four and a half million people out of the workforce, uh, especially when the when the workforce when the workforce is, is and this is what Carl's always talking about. How could we only have we have actually a million people less in the workforce than we did at the end of 2019? I mean, he, and he's always talking about how, how that's never happened before, and yet, it, yet it's happened now. And uh, I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, what? Well, you know, I, I, to me, it's the it's kind of the natural outcome of the lockdowns and the length of the lockdowns and pe- people's consumption patterns changed pretty much because. To stay within the law, you had to consume less. And we still haven't worked out any kind of sense of how this is going to, you know, recover, if it will recover, and how long it will take. Because once you change people's expectations about what they need to do, what they need to spend, how much money they have to spend, and what their choices are, and you just arbitrarily make it impossible to spend, you know, money in certain areas, say in airfares or in hotel rooms or in restaurant meals or whatever else at the lockdown really killed off. Um, we've never had anything like that. It's just messed with the market in pretty much you know, frightening ways. I mean, you, you, that's why the, the, the real problem isn't with COVID in my mind. It's what we've done in this crazy attempt to fight this disease and we completely reshifted how we have to think about you know, bouncing back and what bouncing back really means. And once you you mess with the economy the way we've been messing with it, you make it really hard ever to bounce back. Well, what um, I'm, or I guess what I'm saying is is these numbers. You know, you start talking about 100 million people, 155 million people. It seems like a lot, but you know, we 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 were sort of there anyway, in the sense that we were. That I think labor. When you look at you know 2000, I'll, I'll kick that up here. Uh, you know, if you look at labor from 2000 and to today, uh, well, I'll take it up and get the actual number. I mean, you're, you're talking about because of a lot of things, moving to China, doing other other kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, we we have we've had like no no raises for people to the point where the, you know there's almost like a, a rubber band that's pulled pretty darn tight. You know, at that number, let me see what I get the actual numbers today. This is by the debtclock.org. Median income now, they've got, they may actually down, down a little bit. I don't know how that could be. Uh, anyway, median income in 2000 is 31,000, and now they got it at 36. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they're probably light there, but even if it's 38, I mean, labor didn't, didn't do so hot for 20 years. Make that 21 years. I'm pushing 22 now. So there's almost like a, to the spot where how much, how much do you think Somebody's going to come to work for ten dollars more an hour. So I, I think you were straining there anyway. Now all of a sudden you're straining with these prices. And I say, John, I was at this uh, Thai restaurant on Saturday talking to the owners, and you know they're still somewhat outraged in disbelief that they can't get a terrific cook for sixteen bucks. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> for God's sake, the gas, the car, the guy can't even get here at home for 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 eight bucks. So <laughs> there's got to be something left for him, right? Uh, I mean, it, so, I mean, I think we're seeing people that are, are sticker shack. And when you look at, I mean, right now, if, if that's the number, 
in 2000, and our new home right next to a new home in 2000 was 168. Now it's 371. So let's say double, two and a half times. Well, the, the median income now should be 60, right? Yep. To stay, to stay even with this stuff, and it's not. So it's not surprising. But what I guess the economic fascination I have with this, Jan, is because somebody had their thumb essentially on labor. I'm not saying it's like in China where the politics, you know, you, you know, they actually won't let guys strike and so all kinds of things happened here to where labor really had no power for 20 years. And now they're getting like a little bit of power. And there's, there's some catching up being done. It's all being done by supply and demand, right? I mean, some people, I think some people went back to Mexico. I think some people, a lot of people retired, right? We've got, yeah, four, we've got four, out with whatever they could. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of your city workers all retired. Police sure. are retiring if they can. I mean, anybody is retiring if they can, right? I, mean, I think there's people that are jumping on Social Security at age 62, you know, once they come off unemployment. And his long-term disability is, in some places, is is essentially long-term unemployment, right? Yep. And, 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 I'm, and when, I say, when I say that, I'm not giving anybody... Uh, you know, essentially a bunch of crap for forgetting it. I mean, there was a John. Did you ever read that? You know, I don't. I should. You know, Maddie's better at this, but I'm not asking him to do it in one second. But one of these days, we'll dig it up and we'll tweet it out. Some guy wrote. I don't know if it was a Pulitzer Prize-winning series. I think it might have been the Washington Post. Uh, and I don't know what the name of the article was, but he, he described what he called the horseshoe of despair. I don't know if you ever if you ever read this, but it is. Oh yeah. Um, what the hell's the guy's name? Um, Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. But it's essentially started from West, West Virginia and those areas down through Alabama up essentially into Missouri and Arkansas. And he was describing some areas where how many, you know, the, the incredible amount of people in the county that are in long-term disability, which is, by the way, which is a social security product, correct? Right. Uh, right. And they were interviewing, uh, some ladies that, uh, that worked in, uh, nursing homes and so forth in Alabama. And this lady was saying, yeah, my back's basically all messed up. And she goes, well, you know, could I have a job where I was sitting somewhere and doing, you know, whatever. I'm, I don't know about marketing, but she could be doing some kind of work. And the answer is, she goes, yeah, the answer is yes. And she said, in her county, she doesn't know anybody, any of her friends, any of her family that have ever had a job where they were able to sit down. They were in a factory or they were in a nursing home or doing something. She goes, everybody who works in a nursing home, before they had those Big machines that help you pull people out of bed and so forth. Everybody, by the time you're 45 or 50, has bad. I mean, how how don't you? Right? All you're doing is, is pulling people out of bed all day. Uh, and she said, "Yeah, I, I, you know, if, it, if if I there was the right job, I'm not quote disabled, but I'm clearly disabled for what I used to do." So I mean, you can't very well say, "God, she's cheating the system," right? But she's sort of not, even though there's there's stuff she could do if you. Retrained her and put her some other place. I don't think she'd much, much like sitting at home. She'd rather be working. So, I mean, there's, there's a million iterations to this whole thing. And it, I guess my theme, John, is never people make light of it or say that it's not light of it, but it's like there's one word solutions. Those people are lazy or this. Every one of these things is a multifaceted problem, don't you think? Well, it's, it's all tied up now with, you know, sort of rivalry between the generations. I would like to see a split. On the you know the, the large piece of the workforce that isn't working and how that divides up age-wise, um, because I think we'd be struck by 
how many people really in the prime of their lives and, and in their earning power are stuck and can't find anything, can't live on the jobs that they have available to them and are in this limbo living off of their savings, whatever they are, hoping that something better comes along. And that would, that would be a, a, an important distinction to, to put on all of this, that this is, you know, not just concentrated in people who are reaching the end of their earning lives, but, but all across the board. And how much of it is concentrated in the younger versus the older would be very telling on the kind of mess we're in. Well, I, I think somehow, and I, know I always pop this one out there, which I probably shouldn't, but the idea that people are retired and still working, especially public employees, as a country, I don't think we can afford that. You're either retired or you're working. You know, I'm with you on that, Tom. I mean, I've, I've seen enough of that in my in higher education with you know, people retiring from a teaching or an administrative job and immediately going into pretty much a full-time consulting job at some other institution uh, and or, you know, back into the pension fund again. So there's no way. First of all, that, that masks the fact that these people aren't that special anyway, that they need a, a job for life. Um, get somebody else in there to do that job. The system isn't set up for people at the high end of their earnings to be milking it pension system dry. That's kind of what we've encouraged, though, and, and it's an inc- incredible abuse. Well, you, you can encourage it all you want, but when the checks start bouncing, it's a problem. Yep, well, <laughs> any day. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, when they talk about, I mean, it, it's so crazy when people, and I've had, you know, these discussions, shall we say, in various libraries and coffee shops, maybe even a bar or two, where people tell me, geez, you know, State of oil, Illinois, they can't, they they can't go bankrupt. The federal government won't let them. And I go, okay. So what does that mean exactly? Well, it means they can't go bankrupt. Well, they can. Can they go broke? Uh, what do you mean broke? I, I mean broke. <laughs> the the check bounces. Right? Broke means broke. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and they go, well, what do you mean they can't? I, I said bankruptcy is a system. They they can't. They can't avail themselves of the the federal bankruptcy system, but they can go broke. And they look at me like you got two heads. What are you talking about? They can't go bankrupt. It, I didn't say bankrupt. <laughs> they can. They, I know they. Are, the system is not set up for a state to get in the system, and I don't think a city can go in without without the uh, the, the vote of the state. Right? Don't, don't they have to approve it somehow? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on depending on a state. But I mean, for, for, uh, you know, Detroit to go into bankruptcy, I think the, the state of Michigan had to say it was okay. Right? Or they, I think something like that had to right, happen. Right, because I mean, they've got a, a huge stake in the, how orderly, you know, and, 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 you know how, what plays out in, in the bankruptcy. Michigan stands to, to lose big or lose not so big. Yeah, so, um, but I mean, the idea that, that Illinois would all of a sudden end up in the U.S. bankruptcy court here, in, you know, in downtown Chicago, right? I don't think that's going to happen. It would be some kind of receivership. There would be something. But at some point, the checks bounce, right? Right, and the staff gets laid off, and there's no you know, hope of a paycheck after that happens. So, I mean, that's, that's what going broke really means. You know, it just sweep you out the door because there isn't an office anymore here. What did Frank Sinatra say in the one movie, Manny? Uh, I may have been broke, but I was never poor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's a difference there. I, I don't know, but uh, I guess there is. But this, uh, you know, it's. I guess what I'm the, the message I'm trying to give out is what's happening now 
is incredibly complicated on an economic end, and it's just happening. It's not because of government. It's not. Well, I guess it, maybe it is because the uh, uh, a lot of what the government did basically put labor behind the eight ball for two to three decades, maybe even four. And all of a sudden, the economic wheel has turned a little bit to where they have a little bit of power. We're not we're not talking about demanding, you know, sixty grand a year instead of thirty five. We're talking demanding maybe forty five. Right, Jen? Right, and it's and it's, it's kind of suppressed too. Just because you know a lot of these displacements and a lot of the shortages are spotted and concentrated in particular areas, so it isn't like it translates into a combined movement for labor generally. It's particular workers in in particular jobs that will be in greater demand than others, and and some won't be able to give their their you know lifeblood away. Nobody wants what they have to offer anymore. So labor, I mean, there's there's benefits. You know, in incremental ways, where labor gets a little more strength here, but overall, I think you know, labor is suffering pretty much across the board, and, and that there there will be little blips on the you know, horizon where people will be able to inch up in their wages. But I just see such displacements coming down the road that, as a group, if you're looking for a job to live on, um, you're going to have fewer and fewer choices, and well, then also- you're going to be making more and more compromises and working yourself to the bone to get less and less buying power. Well, also, is, is what you demand of your employees. I mean, if you're, if you're, this, this could be husband or wife these days, when you and I grew up, it was mostly uh, the husband who was the major bread, breadwinner. But if the wife wanted a job, uh, maybe you taught in the local school, maybe you, 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 uh, you could have worked downtown at Sears or, you know, one of the Marshall Fields, place like that. And, you know, you basically hop the Archer Express or you hop the L and you're downtown for, for 25 cents. Well, even now it's relatively cheap. You can essentially come back and forth to work for five bucks, right? Right. Maybe six bucks, say. And, uh, now that you can still do, alright? And, and maybe you can still make, you know, 15 bucks an hour and have it sort of be worthwhile. And, uh, okay, but if you're, if you're gonna move that person to the suburbs or he or she, the second breadwinner, all of a sudden, breadwinner, all of a sudden has to own a car themselves with the insurance and everything else. You're not going to get that person to go out and buy a car, pay for gas, pay for insurance, where it costs them God knows how much to get just to work and back every day. You're not going to pay them twelve bucks an hour, expect them to be happy, or expect them to be able to do it. And you know, the same way with this with this childcare stuff. But you know, and I guess what I was thinking about, I wanted to ask you, and we. Uh, we're probably going to go to break here at some point. But uh, I want to ask you, is the economics of it, does government really have to be involved, or is this something that you can, other than maybe helping out at the schools and so forth, is this something they even got to be involved in? I mean, people have been handling this sort of forever. I mean, the, the math is pretty simple. I mean, whoever is the major breadwinner, man or woman, the other person, if you have kids, which was essentially your choice, I'm not saying anything wrong with kids. We all were one, and if we weren't one, we wouldn't be here. So, but, but you know, if uh, you know, if I if I get married and I well, I'm too old for that now. But, but say say I would have got married and I have uh, well, Maddie, perfect example. We use him as a foil. Well, his his wife has one on the way, and maybe I have no idea. Don't know my business, but say, say they want two, so they have two kids, and now Jill happens to be a very 
valuable commodity as, as, as an employee. I mean, she's terrific. Uh, so let, let's pick a number. Let's say let's say Jill is going to make say she's making a hundred grand a year. I hope it's two hundred. I hope it's four hundred. I mean, I love the lady. Say say it's a hundred. Okay. Well, Jill's perfectly capable of doing the math and saying, if I have to go to work, I can pay for home care thirty grand, and I'm still ahead of the game. Right or thirty-five? I have no idea what this all this stuff costs. Say thirty, I'm still ahead of the game. But now, some of the stuff the government is trying to figure out. Well, if, if that person's making fifteen grand, all right, which is so, uh, what ten bucks an hour is twenty, right? So say they're making twenty grand. Well, if if you got to pay somebody fifteen to watch your kids, doesn't take a whole lot of strain on the brain to figure out that's a bad trade. And I'm not saying. Whether other people should or you shouldn't, but some of these bills that they seem to be coming out of Washington with is everybody has a right to have childcare. Well, no, you don't. I mean, I mean, uh, if if your earnings power is less than the cost of the child's care, I mean, why do we want that trade necessarily? Yeah, I, you know, to me, if, given how flexible workers have had to be in the last two years in order to survive, you know, you work at home. You work, you know, in tandem with other people's schedules. You don't have to be in an office, per se. Um, you would think that it would be possible, or at least be more possible than it was before the lockdowns, um, to arrange some kind of a schedule where if you had, you know, two-team parenting, you could work off of each other's particular schedules and enable, you know, the children to be taken care of without you know, anybody going off of their work schedule and not having to pay anybody, you know, in an ideal world, you would need somebody to come in and take care of your kids because somebody would be available to do it and you would just arrange your work schedule around the other person's work schedule. And that, that my family did that 50, 60 years ago when jobs were very different and you didn't have to get a, you know, a babysitter involved or pay for child care, you know, schlep the kid back and forth to some kindergarten type situation. But, but you would think that would be still possible to do with jobs being what they have become you know, just in the last 18 months or so. And I don't see that having anything to do with the discussion anymore. It's everybody turning to the government. It's the government, you know, they're the only one that can fix this problem. And I'm sorry, I just think once you get them involved, especially in child care, you, you can pretty much sacrifice your kids. Well, I mean, in our, in our day... I'm not not going to go back to this. I mean, for God's sake, or maybe playing Andy Griffith. I mean, people essentially walked home to lunch, and if one of the mothers, I guess there were a couple of fathers that weren't the major breadwinner, but I, I didn't know any of them. Uh, one of the mothers all of a sudden had a job three four days a week. The lady next door or down the block, you went to their place for lunch, and I'm sure the the mother spiffed them five bucks a day or whatever, and. Uh, I'm saying is, they were able to work it out. It, I mean, when does this become, there, there's ways where, where people, I, I just have this different view of the world. I think our, our population, you know, you watch people drive these days, you wonder. Uh, I think our population is still is still pretty intelligent and still able to solve 90% of these problems on their own. I mean, hey, guess what? I'm making 40 bucks an hour, you're making 15. How about if you watch my kids and I pay you 10? Okay, we're we're ahead of the game, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, uh, at lunch or whatever, because hopefully they're going. You're not to rolling in it, but you're able to get by. Right. You're able to, and now, why exactly do we need fifteen government employees finger in that pie? 
The total cost is going to be way more than the $10 changing hands on the block, I, I guarantee you. I mean, why do we need these programs? Why do we need these people that are employed to do God knows what? To have to have one lady or guy say, wait a minute, i got to go to work today. How about you watching my kid and I'll pay you some dough? I mean, do, I mean people are able to figure this out. And yet now, does the government have to? Is this total nanny state coming up here? I don't. I don't need them to do that for me. You don't want them to do it, or want them? Yeah, because I. What the, what percent? Your mandatory kindergarten or your institutionalized child care, you know, for for pre kindergarten students. I mean, look look at the mess that the schools are making of our children. You know, just through K through twelve. Do you really want them getting involved in the situation pre K? I don't think. Oh so. God. But I mean, what, what do you suppose on, on, on a normal program? And the U.S. used to be pretty good at this. I mean, I'm going to say that, yeah, you know, 95 percent of the of the dough that the government put up to build Hoover Dam went to to build the dam. I think some of these programs. What do you think? 20 percent, 30 percent actually actually hits home where it's supposed to be. Is it? I mean, what? in these school these school lunch programs. How much money? Do you think actually lands, the, 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 if you just went out and bought the lunches at McDonald's or someplace, how much ahead of the game would you be? Oh, yeah, I think we'd, we'd be horrified. <laughs> I had a, a would-be client came in, this is years ago, maybe 20 years ago. He comes in, he goes, what are you doing in the securities business? <laughs> I go, what do you mean? It's what I, I mean, I was a trading guy on the trading floor forever, but I love the business stocks, and now that I've got some clients, I mean, I like my clients, and I think I can, you know, whatever, I'm pretty good at protecting, especially retired people's money and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have a niche. And he says, you know, this is way too much work. <laughs> he goes, you guys, you have some connections. You're Irish in the South Side. If you, if you went to the right bars and met the right people, he goes, all you got to do is get like one contract to serve lunch in the jail or supply, you know, do the laundry for the jail, whatever it is. All you need is like one contract and you're set for life. You, and you can play golf half the time. <laughs> you know, talk about a lecture from somebody that was absolutely right. Well, and, and given too how unfair the doling out of those jobs, you know, has become, whether you know the the opportunism and the kickbacks and everything else to get these you know cushy deals to be a provider for whatever service, um, and you know the, the the government the checks usually do clear the bank, so you're set for life, but but it isn't like it's a fair you know process by by which people can compete for those jobs. It's the insiders, it's the people with. You know, connections higher up that are, are first in line. So, well, they were well, telling me, you know, Tom, I was thinking the other day, and, and I, don't, I don't have the figures in front of me, but I'd like, like, to, you know, your thoughts on it. I read somewhere that the savings rate, you know, for Americans has declined steadily since last March, which is when, you know, the helicopter money pretty much stopped. So, up until then, I think people were paying down debt, they were putting money, you know, away. Um, for you know catastrophic events or whatever, but now they're not doing that anymore. And you would think with with declining savings that that means people with inflation and everything else are struggling to make ends meet, and they don't have much left over. How then can we have so many people not working? You would think these people would be so hungry for jobs because they're clearly not flush with their household economies. They take something or or, or a couple somethings. In order to get by, but that that doesn't. This is a happening. this is a real, I can't account for it. This is a real tough number, John, because I just happened because I looked up the median income. So now you've you've, you've made me stay on my usdebtclub.org page. This is a real, this is a real thinky number because it's it's actually their savings per family. Now this is an average, right? It's not a median, 
right? So, um, let's go back to, uh, 2016. With the savings, it got down to 6,600 bucks per family. And I think this is cash. I don't, I don't think it includes stock. I'm not positive, but, um, I think it's just, it's just, I don't know. Well, you know what? I'll, anyway, it was 6,600 bucks in 2016. The total debt per family, if you look at state, local, federal, credit card, mortgage, you name it, total debt per family was 846,000. Savings was 6,600. So I'm going to say ouch, right? Now, if we kick this forward to 2021, the, uh, or we? savings per family is, uh, they've, they've changed the total debt per family to get the personal debt per citizen is 66,000. Alright, so they don't have a, a total, they don't know, somehow or another they don't put all the debt together. But anyway, the savings per family is now up to 21,000 from six. But when all that helicopter money came out and all the PPP money where a lot of people stole, basically, I use that term, uh, not loosely. I mean, when I say stole, uh, it's a bad term. Um, didn't necessarily follow the spirit of the law. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Um, it's now 21,000, but in the meantime, it, it had ballooned to 50. So went from six to fifty. Now it's back down to twenty-one, which is. And the fifty was a, probably at the peak of the helicopter. Line. Yeah, was yeah. it? I, I think it had more to do with uh, the 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 PPP, not 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 the two thousand dollars per family. Or what would we end up getting? Say we. You got twelve hundred. You got six. And then you got what was this, what was the last one? It's another twelve again. Twelve again, something like that. Maddie, was that what it was? Was it twelve six and then twelve again? For what? It was the money that came out? The stimulus money. Yeah. I think it was twelve six and then uh, fourteen. Yeah, I, I. That sounds right. I have yeah. no idea. Because like I said, the, I got the first one. I didn't get the other one. Well, the the, the second. I mean, I, I I wonder. I mean, I you know again, I didn't vote for either one of them. So I, I'm going to say that if the Republicans didn't renege and and Trump sending the two thousand that he wanted to send. Then they cut it to six, and then when Biden said he was going to give you ever, give everybody the other fourteen hundred, then he did right. So the it ended up the second two batches equal to two thousand that Trump and the Democrats wanted to send originally. I, I I think that was the story. I could be off by a couple hundred, but I think that's what happened. So I'm going to say that if 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 Trump would have sent to two thousand, I think he'd have got a lot more votes. Now whether it was enough to put him in, I I don't know. I mean I don't no election guru, but. Uh, there would have been a few more votes there, but what I'm saying, James, we, we've dropped in, we've dropped way down from the 50. But the spots that I I think that were to, I mean, we we uh, we put in for a PPP and we got like a very small amount, uh, but we we did what we were supposed to do. I mean, we were pretty much shut down down here, and we got a small amount of money. We never we never laid anybody off. I mean, we we kept paying everybody. I mean. To, to our, you know, we, we didn't we, as much as we could. I mean, we didn't uh, pay not not pay, but there there was no discipline in the system. I mean, let let's say we're a much bigger firm. I mean, we could have gotten a two hundred thousand dollar check. We didn't. I mean, we're, we're a small fraction, of it. but we could have gotten a two hundred thousand dollar check. And if, in order to give that loan forgiven, I think well, my brother knows more, but I think he had to pay. 
eighty percent in salary or seventy five, and the rest of it could go to like rent and some stuff. But the lion's yeah, share of it was salary. Some figure like that. But I, I don't think the discipline was. They never said how many people did you have. You know, when you applied or before you, I don't know when the date should have been. You you could have. We could have laid off, you know, security's from here, laid people off, they do stuff all day. Uh, but I mean, it, it, I could have, it was a restaurant, I could have laid everybody off, and my brother and I could have just paid ourselves a big bonus. Well, I think a lot of people did do, do, do that. Yeah, they did just that. How was there any way of tracking that, though? Well, well, you, you could have. How many, you could have, how, absolutely. How many people? You should have, right? Yeah, how, how many people did you have last, you know, in, in a, on St. Patrick's Day of 2019 when this all started? Well, I had 50. Okay, the day you got the check, how many did you have? I had 10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's not exactly the spirit of the law, right? <laughs> but I, I, went, I went through the whole list, uh, not the whole list, because the list, there was, what's, what's, the, what's the number, Dan? $38 billion was, was, was handed out in the state yeah. of Illinois alone? But you got to, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing a figure. How come whenever somebody says they're not pointing a finger, they immediately point a finger? <laughs> um, is or 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 when somebody says, "With all due respect," they're merely an insult. There was no respect in this. <laughs> well, all due respect, Mister Weber, you suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but the uh, anyway, uh, I'm saying there, there there some some of the, I happen to notice some of the churches, the, the you know the church of what's happening now, Giants. Um, the they would say, "How many employees do you have afterward?" The number would be zero. They, they just folded the place. <laughs> the check and they're gone. Okay, that, that's interesting. I mean, like I say, I don't think there's any audits here, Jen, on anybody. Uh, you know, the people who did what they were supposed to do and kept everybody working, I mean, that, that's why when all this, when it, when it ended, when they say, we're, we're Joe's restaurant, oh God, I can't find any workers. Hey Joe, it says here you got a fifty thousand dollar check or a hundred thousand dollar check. You got the check to keep people. Where where are they? Well, they're gone. Well, wait a minute. Isn't isn't the hundred grand to keep them here, Joe? Or what am I missing, John? I mean, yeah, Joe probably bought a used car and used up the fifty thousand. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. But but right. But but he said, what do you mean? You know, I, I I paid salaries, and by the way, charity begins at home. I got a big bonus. Well, okay, that's cool. So I mean, yeah, a lot of this money does it ever really go where, where you want it to? I mean, there, there's firms that never missed a trick. I mean, the people who were uh, uh, emailing me, Maddie, when this all happened, I said some of the listeners, they were outraged at the garbage companies. Now, I wasn't. On one hand, those poor guys went to work every day when everybody else is sitting at home. You know, so I don't begrudge those dudes from getting paid. After all, they're hauling away your garbage like they did every other day. But uh, those guys never missed a trick, and all of a sudden, you gave those guys. You know, eighty percent of all the money the guys made for the last three months, even though they were getting paid by Naperville or Brookfield or Chicago or whoever the hell it was, they never stopped doing what they were doing. So I guess it was a it was a COVID bonus for them for going to work. Now, did, did those people did they take the extra money, give everybody a bonus equal to that check? I'll take the under on that, John. What do you think? Uh, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. no, you, would, you wouldn't bet me more than one dollar that they gave the entire check out in salaries? I think they probably didn't. Matter of fact, I would be shocked, <laughs> shocked if they, if they did. So yeah, it's, but I, hey, while you're here, I was talking about how things are, are re, being repriced. 
uh, we talked about, not last week, the week before, the, the building across the street that's entered foreclosure. All right, so the, this is a 175 West Jack, the insurance exchange. Not picking these guys out for anything, other than the fact that since it was in cranes, the numbers are public, so I'm not talking out of school. Uh, I'm going to round round the numbers, John. I'm going to say they paid three. Was it three twenty for the place? I think when they they bought it in 2018 or something. Yeah. Right. So they it's paid three twenty eight or something. Three hundred twenty eight million. And then, so they 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 it looked like they put fifty down and got mortgages for the rest. So right. So they're they're in hack for uh, whatever two two seventy eight. Um. So these guys look at the building and they say, "All right, it's." 85% occupied, which it might have been, 2018. And these guys are paying all this stuff. And by the way, it looks to us like there's a hotel going up across the street, which no longer is, uh, I don't know, they stopped construction there two years ago. Uh, it looks like the future's bright for the South Loop area. The exchanges, they still had people on the exchange floor, whatever these guys thought. Because they, they'd attracted some law firms and, and some trading firms and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, all of a sudden, this happens. They might overpay to start with, and they lost a few people. They lost CVS. They lost a few other people. Now, all of a sudden, they can't pay the rent, and uh, or they can't pay the mortgage. It goes under foreclosure. So now, who who's, who makes the decisions? Now, are they now they're they're working with their lenders? Now, they probably say, "Leave us with the building," I guess, and they're going to say, "It looks to us we can't pay a mortgage and." 278, but we can pay 248 or some number. Because now here's the rental thing has changed, the exchanges are closed, COVID, we're down to 60% occupancy, and oh, by the way, only 15% of those people here, so you know which direction that's going. But we're, we're willing to take a chance and say, write us down 25 mil, give us two months without having to pay interest, and we can make a stab at it and try again, or something. Now, but how does this work its way down to somebody else comes in and says, "Oh no, I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, two twenty-eight for the place right now, cash," versus giving these guys another chance. And now, you know, who, who does? Who are the ne- rent negotiators? If I say this building's in trouble, I'm paying a thousand a month for PTI. We used to be in that building. I'm going to see if, if these mumps, if we tell them we're leaving, or because now we're, this place is so crazy, we're, we don't want to stay here. All the places downstairs are gone. The bar's gone. The CVS is gone. I'm only going to give you 700, or maybe they'll come to us and say, "How about if you guys we cut the rent to 800, you guys sign a new lease or something?" How does all, how does all this stuff take place, and who does it? Is it the current people? Is it the the mortgage holders? I mean, if it's an insurance company, they're far away from this. It's not a bank down the block. How, how do you decide who who does all this stuff, John? Well, you know, the, the people who are involved in you know asset management. So if you are a lender. Um, that really makes their money by people paying, you know, their, their mortgage payments with interest calculated on the principal. You don't want to be in the property management business if you can help it, and certainly not long term. So, you know, technically, you, you could have a lender take a, an equity position in the properties to take a, you know, shave off of the mortgage balance, and now you have the lender in there calling the shots or having voting shares or whatever. And what happens with the building? But what options does the lender have now? In, in, in any other economy, you could repurpose the building. And this, this is how all the, a lot of the older, you know, really classy office buildings in, in the Loop and in other big cities, 
and have survived other dislocations. They, you know, they could turn them into rentals. They could turn them into condo buildings and make money in doing that because as businesses moved out and, and job patterns shifted, there was all this vacant office space in, in and around the Board of Trade. Um, you know, buildings that were tired, needed, you know, upgrading and everything else. But there, there was a really healthy market for getting people to move back into downtown. Whether they worked downtown or just wanted a, you know, weekend place to hang out in or, but, you know, there was tourism, there was a vibrant hotel industry. These buildings could have a second chance at, you know, making a go of it and becoming profitable again. So I, I would, you know, if I were a lender, I would say, well, I'm going to take this property back either with a deed in lieu foreclosure, just have the, the, you know, the borrower walk on it, give me title to the property, I'll put some money into rehabbing it and give it to a leasing agent, and we'll turn it into apartments or mixed use and you know, really dramatize the, the classic elements of this building, and we'll make money on this thing. Except they just did that. Yes, yeah, so and that's really what you know, the Fisher Building, the old colony building all on Van Buren Street, other buildings in and around there, too, that... You know, they were built as office buildings, but when there was no need for office space anymore, they lent themselves to other uses that became profitable. Um, I don't see that option now. And well, I mean, because that's what happened in in, uh, in 2000. In fact, it was December of 2000. These guys from New York bought the place. It had, it had deteriorated. Well, it didn't deteriorate. The other places were just nicer. And pretty much Class B office space. The 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 Mid America Exchange was there. They left, uh, and these guys spent. I'm going to say, John, this is between 2000 and 2005. It at least was a five year remodel. Maybe you know, I'll bet they spent 100, 110, 120 million dollars on the place. I mean, they 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 had the big. Uh, for those that don't know, these buildings when they're so big, they can't just have people with no no uh, view outside. <laughs> you know, there's only a few people. You put some people in cubicles, but a lot of people don't like to be. So these buildings have these huge atriums on, on both sides. So there's a whole, both middles. This, this building's so big, it has two middles that are essentially cut out, for lack of a better term. And there's all these interior-facing windows. Well, those guys put a whole whole roofs over those atriums to save, you know, a, a boatload of energy, right? So they have to, so they didn't replace those buildings and, and, you know, did a whole, did the whole lobby. They put a parking garage downstairs, which never was one. I mean, they, they spent, so they repurposed it. I won't say as type A office space, but certainly B plus. And they had some trading firms in there. I saw their stuff. It was pretty, pretty spectacular. It was pretty, pretty Star Trekky actually. And, uh, and, and they, they certainly kicked it from B office space up a notch. Now, I don't know if it was ever, you know, a brand new building wired totally for the new world and so forth. But it, you know, it got fairly. Your your office could certainly have been like that if you took a half a floor, right? Sure. And uh, so they did all that, and now just this whole area has become pretty much defunct. I mean, the guys with the building across the street, where the Billy Goat was, in those places, they threw those people out of there. Was it five years ago? Yeah, it has to be that long. And uh, and they were going to make a, one of those. Uh, what do they call them? The uh, the, the smaller hotels, there's a name for it. Uh, boutique hotels. Boutique hotels there. They spent a fortune at a place for a year or two, and now it's, that, they don't know if they're on foot or horseback. They, they don't know if they want to be hotels, uh, office space or, or nothing. You know, uh, actually, you know what that building is, I don't want to say famous for, but a, a piece of trivia in the movie The Untouchables, 
when the guy got killed in the elevator and they put on the wall untouchable in his blood that was in the freight elevator in that building really I didn't know oh, that really? yeah a little, little piece of trivia you by know. the way regarding the PPP conversation Robert writes in Jesus Christ Mnuchin wouldn't even release the list of who got that PPP forget about what they did with it well, no, every, there's a list is right there. That's what I thought. Well, but you can go, just go to uh, people. Was it people receiving PPP loans? And you can click on the state. Matter of fact, you, if you want, you can go to uh, by zip code in Illinois and by type of business. The only issue is if you put in restaurants, you don't necessarily have the name the restaurant is doing business in. Like if it was if you and your brother did a place, if it was Chief and Clay or uh, Maddie and Clay Enterprises. The name of the place could be, you know, uh, you know, Bowser Dogs or something, right? I mean, you, you won't find Bowser Dogs on there, and nobody would know who, you know, uh, uh, Maddie and Clay Enterprises was. But some of them you can. The law firms, well, Schiff Harden got five million bucks. You, you just put in the law firms; it'll tell you what Schiff law Harden. firms. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that <laughs> no unbelievable? tag days for Schiff Harden. Yeah, no, 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 no bleep. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, it's right there. Thirty-eight million, I think. I'll, I'll try and kick it up here, but I think I think something like how many thousand was it twenty eight thousand businesses got money? You know, it's a massive number, and uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find it here. But it, no, it, it, just, it, just to come back to that to the insurance exchange yeah. building for a minute, Tom. Um, in the, in any other time, when a building had outlived its usefulness and couldn't be adapted to anything that would make money, it would be demolished. This is you know, the, 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 the story of Chicago real estate in downtown Chicago, anyway. Um, but you know, there, you come to a point, and there there are examples of this in Chicago history where buildings are too expensive to demolish. Nobody wants to buy something, and then have to turn around and knock it down because the demolition costs exceed any you know any any possible number you have you know, to project how much you're ever going to make on this thing. And you look at a building the size of 175 West Jackson, where the demolition costs would be considerable. But but in the meantime, what what do you do? You turn it into a white elephant. You board it up. You try to keep the roof intact so it doesn't you know, ruin whatever is left there. But you can't make a go of it. And this is what's uh, just I think facing any big city. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in any of these planning sessions about this this problem. But you've got tons of, of property that isn't usable anymore, either for commercial or residential uses. So what do you do with it? You, you it just sits there and haunts everything around it. Um, it, it, uh, it just giving one more reason for people to stay away from the city centers. So I don't know where this is going to go. We, I, I haven't figured out a way to repurpose some of these buildings. They've already been through a couple configurations, and I think maybe we've run out of options. It's like an old theater. What do you, what do, you do with an old theater? You chop it up into smaller theaters. Then, then you chop it up into offices. Then you chop it up into apartments, and then you hope you can afford to knock it down eventually. But you know that isn't good for the city if everybody's doing the same thing. Once. Well, you can't. Got, like, but if you're not Chicago Fire property, <laughs> yeah. But if you have a, uh, it, it one piles into the other. If you have a building of that size in these places downtown where nobody wants to be here, okay, why don't you want to be here? Well, maybe because of the COVID, maybe because of the crime, whatever it is. Well, why do you want to be here instead of someplace else? Because I just mentioned earlier, you can still get here back and forth on the CTA for six bucks a day. Which is a hell of a lot cheaper than owning a car and everything else. Okay, now nobody wants to be on the CTA. Well, now you got a real problem. Because if you go to the West Loop, it's hard to get there by the CTA, these other places. But if everybody drives, I've been driving, I drive every day because I really can't get here otherwise, but 
But I, I'm saying these roads are not designed for the amount of people that are now driving. I got news for you. So if, if we if we're going to cut our amount of people to take the CTA by fifty percent in the metro, we got gridlock. So it's it's, it's never just one thing, right? Oh, by the way, I, I did find this. Yeah, it's pretty good for me. In the uh, state of Illinois, guess how many total loans? I'm sitting down, tell me. $621,411, 37300000000 billion, the average loan, 60000 and the average company size is uh, six people. It's a lot of money for one state. And you can, and you can, uh, the average loan for beauty salons is twenty grand. other personal services. But if you just go down here, the, the, the highest schmucks, uh, the uh, North Northside Imports, four point one million. The Grove, four point. Who the hell are they? Anchor Mechanical, four point one. Material Control, four point one. These are big numbers. John, thank you very much. Talk to you later in the week. Uh, I got so much stuff up here. I'm trying to find the uh, where we are in the S and P. S P futures up thirteen. Be right back, Mr. Mike Hart. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rockbank Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamales. This is Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 1150. NASDAQ Futures down 48. Dow Futures up 204. So we have this kind of mixed bag like we have been having lately. Over in Europe, uh, not a mixed bag here. Everybody's positive. Uh, DAX up 107.7%. FTSE up 76. What's well, a full 1%? CAC round up 64. Eh, call that 1% as well. Over in Asia, again, we got the mixed bag here. 
Uh, Nikkei, well, actually, no, they're all down. Nikkei down 102.4%, Shanghai down 18.5%, Hang Sang, whack, whack, down 417, 1.8%. Uh, tech shares are getting whacked there, uh, as a review of Friday. Dow Jones was down 59, they were, they were the winner, the relative winner. S&P down 38, it's almost 1%. NASDAQ down almost 2% at 295, so, uh, leading the, leading the charge there was, uh, DocuSign down a hundred hours, like two thirty and change to one thirty and change. So that was a quick reprice. They used to call that a trap door, uh, which is not a good thing. A tenure, uh, one point three eight was actually up three basis points. Uh, Bun minus point three nine. Japan positive point zero four. The lowest they've been in a while. Oil up two bucks, but still only sixty eight twenty six. They were down during the day on Friday. Came we're coming back this morning. Rent up to seventy one ninety four. Natural gas down thirty seven cents. We're gonna get Mike's thoughts on this. Three seventy five from six oh one. I mean, I'm gonna have to get a. We're gonna have maybe next Monday have a uh, commodity do it in for the whole Monday with John and with Mike. Should be interesting. Somebody who knows all about the crush and all the different products. I hope he knows something on natural gas because I'm sure it's all gonna ask him. Our Bob, hope he's ready. Our Bob up five cents to two dollars exactly. Uh, gold down four bucks, seventeen seventy nine. Silver down thirteen cents, twenty two thirty one. They can't have two updates in a row ever. Those two. Copper up three cents, four twenty nine. And we've got crypto. We got Bitcoin down five eighty eight at forty eight thousand three thirty, down from a high of sixty three thousand. I'm going to say a week ago Monday, uh, but maybe Michael have the exact date on that as well. Maybe we got for us traffic, weather, sports, a lot of sports, a lot of sports. Thirty six minutes past the hour. Uh, good morning once again to everyone out there. That earlier car fire on I fifty seven just before 99th Street on the southbound side is all clear. So that's good news because that was causing major headaches uh, earlier this morning as you had to squeeze by on the left shoulder as it was blocking the three lanes. Uh, but apparently that has been cleared, so that's good news. We are seeing a, a lot of congestion on the area expressways, but right now no accidents or stalls or car fires to report. Uh, so uh, give yourself plenty of time, but uh, nothing uh, significant to point out. We're still dealing with a couple of crashes out in the western suburbs. North Avenue at Swift Road, there's a crash, and then just west of there... County Farm Road at Geneva, there is a crash. Uh, but everything else is all quiet. Uh, we also have a wind advisory uh, this morning that's in effect until noon uh, throughout the Chicagoland area. Wind gusts from the west of up to 45 to 50 miles per hour are expected, uh, which are going to be blowing stuff around and also going to be making the temperatures feel a lot colder than what they actually are. Uh, as wind chills will be in the upper teens and low 20s this morning, uh, even though we're uh, reaching a high of 35 today with overcast skies and some flurries. Right now it's cloudy and 34, uh, but it feels like it's about 21 degrees. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 78 today. Right now it's clear and 51. In sports, uh, the Arizona Cardinals came to town and beat up on the Bears 33-22. to Bears dropped to 4-8. and Cardinals are 10-2 and on the season. Sunday night football, it was the Chiefs over the Broncos 22-9. In hockey, Blackhawks topped the Islanders 3-2 in a shootout. Bulls are off. They'll host the Nuggets tonight at 7 p.m. College Hoops Northwestern beat Maryland 67-61. to and we didn't touch on this uh, last hour, Chief, but uh, congrats to White Sox legend Minnie Minoso, yeah, yeah. Uh, who got into the Hall of Fame, uh, it was announced yesterday. Uh, former White Sox pitcher Jim Cott also into the Hall of Fame. He pitched for the Sox in the 70s. Chief. So did uh, Buck O'Neill. Yeah. I'm going to say Jim Cott uh, holds the record for gold gloves. For a pitcher? 
For anybody. Oh, for anybody. I think he had like 16 or some number. Didn't Maddox have like 16 or something? I think I think Cat might have maybe one or two more. Uh, and what, what's his name? Brooks Robinson had like 12. Um, it says Brooks Robinson won 16, and that's the most of any position okay. player. It does say position player, so I'd have to uh, let me. Sixteen, wow, that's a lot. He won sixteen at third base, which and is he was a very, he's a very humble guy. He said he was not the best third baseman. Cleet Boyer was, according to him. Uh, Maddox won eighteen, um, so it's uh, I think that's the most uh, of all time. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez won the most for a catcher. He won thirteen. Uh, Keith Hernandez won most at first base. Uh, Roberto Alomar won 10. He won the most at second base. I have it by position here. Uh, I, we already mentioned Brooks Robinson at third. Who won most shortstop? Uh, I'm going to say Ozzy. Ozzy Smith. That's, that's right. Left field, Barry Bonds won eight. He won the most for left field. Who won the most center field? Uh, there's always been a gazillion great center fielders. Was it Willie Mays? It's got to be Willie Mays. He won 12 in center because field. I know he made over, over 10 because he's... Part of my trivia response that I can't ask the question now that I gave you the answer. And then who won the most in right field? I'm going to say Roberto Clemente. That's right. Roberto Clemente won 12. So it's it's actually a lot of the guys you would think won most. But Jim Cott is not the most at pitcher. Maddox. Well, well, Cott had quite a few, though. I'd have to look up what Cott had. But uh, Maddox won 18 at pitcher, most of all time in any position. He was the only guy that I, I ever saw in all the baseball I watched being a pitcher myself. I, I can understand how this is. Uh, most people, once in a while, they catch a line drive that's like, uh, heading for their face or heading for the mail, their male appendage, <laughs> just out of reflex. He was the only guy that had the reflexes that could actually reach for line drive. Wow. Yeah, Jim Cott won 16 gold gloves, uh, and he won it 16 consecutive times from 1962 to 1977. Uh, and he, uh, which is the, uh, tied for the second most gold gloves all time, as we just read, uh, second most by a pitcher. I'm gonna say that he, uh, is one of, Sorry, Mike. I, I think I'm going to say he was one of. Uh, you get the answer to this question, Maddie. I can name a few of the guys. He was one of a couple of people that did, did pitched both to. Was it Mark McGuire and uh, what's his name, uh, Roger Maris? Oh, really? Yeah, I could see that. He, yeah, he began in the what late fifties, early sixties, and was, then I think it was him. I think uh, it was Tommy Jan and the Negro Brothers. Or four people pitched to both guys. That's crazy. Yeah, you had to pitch for a long time. To do yeah, that. the guy, you, the guy you would never have guessed would have been Joe Necro. Yeah. So uh, Cott pitched from 1959 with the Washington Senators through 1983 with the St. Louis Cardinals. So yeah, he faced a lot of guys in 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 different eras. A crafty lefty. Yes. The uh, anyway, talk markets with Mike. Me. How are you? Hey, doing great, Chief Man. That's interesting. Uh, Trivia right there. Yeah, the uh, some of the stuff you know when you see people that span all those eras. God, how many stories do you think he could tell? All the different teams he was on and right. stuff. The uh, so Mike, you, you sound great. Everything was so. What are you, what are you doing with this? Uh, what are you doing with this market? I, it's really you know it's tough to say. Everything's up in the air right now with uh, volatility. It spiked up to thirty five last week, which is a very significant spike. I mean, looking over the past year, that's got to be one of the highest uh, prints that we've seen. Um, you know, very close to the highest print that we've seen uh, this entire year. So a lot of volatility out there right now. What does that mean? That means option prices are higher. See, so when volatility goes up, the price of options 
they uh, also go up with volatility. It's part of the formula for how uh, option prices are figured out. So you got a lot of expensive options out there, uh, which opens the door for a lot of uh, opportunity if you're willing to be a seller of options. And I know, Chief, you're often a buyer of options. Uh, you sometimes sell, right? I mean, you'll sell the calls right. occasionally against uh, long stock positions, which is a great strategy. That's a covered call type strategy. Um, but there, you know, there are other strategies that you could be implementing now. Uh, you know, if you think something's been beat up a little bit too much, uh, the short put is a way to get long. You collect a premium. You just have to be willing to buy the stock at the price that you sold that uh, put. And you can. Uh, this is not a recommendation to anybody, but you can do that even an IRA account if it's cash secured. So in other words, if you okay. have, if you have the hundred hours to buy IBM, it's trading like 119, but say the stock's trading exactly at 100, if you, if you have the hundred hours in your account, you could sell the 80 puts, say, and if, the, cause, cause if it gets down to 80 and you're forced to, to buy the stock at 80, you, you've got the money. That's a, that's not, it's not a naked put. That's a cash secured put. Now, calls. That's different. right. Yep. So yeah. you're you're actually putting the money up in that right. scenario. You're saying, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to sell you the right to buy this from me at 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 eighty, or or to sell it to me at eighty. But by the way, I want it at eighty, and here's the money to prove it. It's right there. So it's, you can yep. do that, and yep. then some people do it. Um, but Mike, one of the one of the 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 fangs, like well, south side here. One of the things that's been, I think, not necessarily all that understood, well, it, it, you never understood it until it happens to you, right, is when, when people look at uh, the volatility, implied volatility in individual stock, it's people's, you know, expectation of what the volatility is going to be in that stock going forward. Now, it could be right. It, it could be higher than the historical volatility, could be less, Uh could be whatever the number is, but say in one stack it's a 35 is the implied volatility, which means if you look at the option price, you know the interest rate, you know the stock price, you know the time to expiration, you know all the other variables, and you say, what volatility would I have to use to get this option to be worth $4.60? Oh, man, it's a 35. So it's backing into the model, right? That's it, right, yep. And uh, so when you when you... I better say this properly, mathematically, because I just started it, and Michael kicked me if I'm wrong. Um, if if you were to have an option pricing model and say, "All right, we're going to price this this option on, on uh, you know Maddie's barbecue sauce or whatever," we know the time to expiration, we know the interest rate, we think, we know the dividend, we think, uh, and we know the strike price. Okay, so what don't we know? Well, we think it's going to be like a this is going to it's going to be a, a volatility of. Uh, X normally, which is, you know, the annualized standard deviation is going to be a 20. So we say, all right, mm-hmm. let's put the 20 into the model. That option should be worth $2.50. Or you can just see the option trading at $2.50, back your model the other way and say it's trading at a 20. Right? Traders will always say, they'll never say an option is trading for two they They'll say it's trading at a 20. Right, Mike? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's all about backing into the uh, formula. Yeah. In order to get, I mean, that's why we call it implied. It's what is implied by the price of the option. Now, you would never, if you were to, if you were to ask me, where's IBM trading? I'd say, looks like it's trading thirty-two. I would never say the option is four fifty. You're gonna say, what is it? What, what, 
what does that do for me? <laughs> Nothing, right? Right, exactly. So, uh, but the, one of the implications is, is that if a stock is trading a 40 implied volatility versus another trading a 30, the implication is that it's going to be more volatile on a daily basis or, or it's more likely uh, than the other stock, well, that the 2S times V move is going to be bigger. It's liable to be up and down a standard deviation. Instead of 20 bucks, it's going to be 25 something like that, right? I mean, or 15 That's right, yeah. But the one thing I never, I think a lot of people, and it's really hard to even capitalize, Mike, is that the implied volatility does not really give you a handle on the exorbitant, I'm going to say, reprice move. Either a takeover or, oops, we've been cooking the books, you know. Or, in other words, there's nothing, in my opinion, and I want yours, I mean, I'm going to say uh, DocuSign had uh, a reasonably high implied volatility for stocks that you and I would trade. But nothing prepared Definitely. you. Nothing would prepared you for the, the guy to come out and say, it looks like growth ain't worth squat, basically is what he said, and the thing could drop 100 points. There, there's there's nothing in that model. that would. I think the straddle was, what, 15, 12? Nothing prepares you. That, that seems right, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's say it was 18. It wasn't 100. Nothing prepares you for that. Or Google coming in and saying, hey, we like this DocuSign, we're going to pay 400 You know, and it's trading 240 and all of a sudden it's a 160 the other. Nothing in what you and I do on a daily basis kind of prepares you for that sort of move, I don't think. The volatility does not tell no. you that at all. I don't think. No, volatility, all, all volatility really tells you is, well, one, it, it gives you a sense of how much premiums being put into the option price. So we can use implied volatility in that sense. It also, you know, it truly is like the, the fear index. It's, you know, how much, uh, how much uncertainty is surrounded about a future move for that underlying. And we can look at volatility and we can say, uh, you know, it's a 40 or it's a 50. And we can get a general sense of how much movement is expected. And now when we say expected, we're talking about standard deviations and we say it's expected to happen 68% of the time. It's going to fall within the range and it's, we were able to calculate a range of plus or minus X dollars and that's going to be more or less what volatility is going to, uh, tell us. We can take it one step further. And we can look at the IV rank, which is the percentile that it falls into. This is a little more helpful because we can say the IV rank is 80. And what that means is for this underlying, we're in the 80th percentile of where volatility has been over the past year. Uh, so that's another, just another way to look at volatility. But ultimately, you're 100% correct, Chief, uh, you know, we can't look at volatility and and have any expectation of what the future move is going to be. Is there going to be an announcement? Uh, things like that. It, it's all uh, the speculations of you know millions of traders coming together at the same time. Well, the you know some of the holes. I mean, uh, I think I think in this day and age, Mike, I'm going to say you know more about the option volatility stuff than I do because you're much more current. I pretty much do retail. I'm not into the theory of the stuff anymore. But uh, way back in the day, I, I probably took 
Maybe not. Uh, I probably had more the knuckleheads in Chicago um, driving, you know, stock pricing theory into me when, when I was younger than most, because uh, those were the guys that yeah. wrote all that stuff. Lori and Hamilton. I, I think I had, I think I had Lori for class. Uh, the stock market movement oh, wow. it was in a. Uh, and one of those guys, I can't remember which one it was, it was one of those, my night classes I took in the summer that were very forgettable. You don't want to take a two and a half hour class, Mike. Guy, it's brutal. Especially when it's hot and there's no air conditioning in the place and you worked all day. Uh, how these people go to night school, I mean, my hat's off to them, but anyway, a lot of what you see, and it, and it kind of mumbles over, mumbles, how's that for a word, in adoption pricing, is the things we're assuming. We're assuming a steady stream of relevant information. Well, first of all, that's a clunker assessment, right? There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, an earnings date is not a regular day, right? That's why your straddle on a day before earnings might be twelve bucks, and a day after earnings it could be four bucks, right, or two bucks. That's right. Yep. So, I mean, sure. the, so the fact is, I mean, what what you see these prices are today, and the the the, the forty vol, the fifty vol, say a real you know crazy stock, one of the ones that was flying up and flying back down, it might have a, an eighty vol. It still is not set up for something to flash across the tape showing my age, uh, or flash across, across Maddie's Twitter feed that, uh, Biden fires Powell, uh, sees a, a clone of, uh, Paul Volcker wandering around the cemetery, puts him back in the job, and by the end of the week, interest rates are going to be 4%. Well, I got news for you. Right. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the current volatility, while, while it might have smelled a little bit of a rat in, in what's going on in, in, in the economy right now, you know, with the inflation, what it's doing and so forth, it might have smelled a little bit of a rat and got the VIX up from 20 to 30. That would be a, a, a hundred <laughs> type of thing. I mean, you know, no, nobody's prepared for that, right? Or nobody's prepared for, hey, you know, that asteroid we were going to shove a little bit, but we shoved it the wrong way and it's heading for New York. I mean, I mean nobody's prepared for the right. announcement that isn't there yet. So don't absolutely, you know, what it comes down to is, you know, volatility. It just it quantifies that movement or that uh, the fear, and you know, it really what it comes down to is it's based on supply and demand. I mean, all these markets are supply and demand, and it's how uh, you know how many buyers are there out there compared to sellers, and when there's more uncertainty, there's just tends to be more buyers buying protection. Well, and, and, and you know what you don't want is is sort of two things happening at once. When I was a uh, a Ute, I used to do a, a sensitivity analysis. Hopefully, you never had to go through those kinds of courses, Mike, because they sucked. Uh, where if you're if you're you know if you're building a building or a project or whatever you're doing, where you got a million assumptions and you come out with your prices and you figure whether it's a good investment or not, and you do sort of the sensitivity analysis and you say, okay, well, what if we're three months late on the project, or what if we're you know, the, the price of steel goes up 20%. Right. I mean, you usually figured out that you could handle a lot of, a really bad thing or two without that much of a problem. But if you had even a, a kind of a sort of bad thing in two or three different spots, all of a sudden the thing exploded. You know, your steel price went up. Oh, by the way, you were late. By the way, labor price went up a little bit more than you expected. You start piling little bits of things on there. It's like a death of a thousand cuts. So when you see a, a DocuSign, it's trading 235 at 100 times earnings, but people still love the stock. And, and, you know, you had guys like Kramer's son, you know, nobody's ever gonna, or not Kramer, who's the, the, what the hell's the guy's name? He's on all day long. He's also, he was on Fast Money. He's very, 
he's not always right, but he's always very sure of himself. Let's put it that way, Mike, which always makes me almost want to yak, but that's another story. Uh, not the judge. No, no, it's a, I don't know what his name is. Not the, he's definitely not the judge. Anyway, he, he's on there. Nobody's ever going to sign a document again. This is the world's greatest company, blah, 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 blah. Well, it doesn't mean the stock might be priced today. So, so they're at a hundred times earnings, which is a little right. bit, which is a little bit wobbly, considering the fact that at some point here, these interest rates are going to go up. They're telling you that they're just acting differently for a while, but somewhere there isn't anybody who doesn't think a year from now they're going to be higher than where they are now. So, even, exactly. You know, so, so let's discount the hundred times earnings is already at that number. A little wobbly, but that's okay. It's a high growth stock and people are believing in it and it looks like they're, 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 you know, they're, they're not looking back. Well, now when the owner comes out and says, or the president, hey, you know what, this growth don't look so hot either. Well, now you got interest <laughs> rates going one way and the growth is now in question. Those two things together, all of a sudden people are going, I want out. Now maybe one or the yeah, other, absolutely. you know, one or the other you could have handled, but not both. Right, and, and it seems like any any bad news like that is um, it, is just death for the stock because uh, you, right now you know the market is a little bit jittery and it definitely sees some uncertainty in the horizon. Uh, you know we, that's we can see that just in the VIX price alone. So you know any bad news, I think it really multiplies itself right now in this market. Um, so my question to you is, your client. That bought the forty-five million dollars worth of calls in the VIX in November. Why don't you tell them to do December's? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> God, the, the, those things expired worthless a week ago, and an expiration date. So well, they, they weren't even close. They were sixteen. They were sixteen yeah. and a half. And now where are we? Thirty. The guy'd be up. He'd have doubled his money, right? Instead of at least, at least, yeah. Instead of flushing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, isn't that the beauty of options? Everything is timing is everything, right? Good lord, it sure is. Yep. <laughs> and the guy did that in, in September. How do you do that and be off by two weeks? That's a that's a brutal trade. That's rough. <laughs> it's not funny at all. But but I, and I'll bet the guy who he bought him from, man, he, that he he hedged so much of it that he made. What do you figure he made on the trade? I mean, the trade is a $45 million winner if you take it to the end. I'm going to say the guy who did the trade with him, if one person did the whole trade, which I doubt, but if somebody did, I'll bet he made 5 mil by the time he was done hedging it and everything, if that. At, the, at best. I would, I would totally agree. I think that's the type of trade that you have to hedge away. Uh, you know, uh, that kind of naked uh, risk is... Uh, very dangerous in the VIX market, especially when we know the speed of uh, expansion. Uh, you know, hey, we were trading 16, what, two, three weeks ago, uh, and now we're at 35. I mean, it can really expand quickly. Well, plus, I bet the guy, the guy, whoever whoever the person was who did the company, who did the, the other side of that trade, I bet they originally had a hedge with September's, maybe October's. No way they were getting that much in November's. So they probably had to flip that trade maybe twice before they could get options against it, and they probably had to pay up. I'm going to say if they made five million with all that risk, they did well. And what? what, what, what I, I would I would completely agree. I, w- I would completely agree with that. And uh, that you know, and that's being optimistic. I would say, Mike, you made my Monday as you always do. You're always a challenge, and a lot of fun. You sound good. 
Hopefully you're going to be 100% soon. Uh, back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Hey, guys. What's up, G? Want to go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? A little early. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.